And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. This is going to make me look kind of freaky. Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Final hour of the show here live from the Akchin Community Studios. And pleased to be joined right now in the Arizona Sports Line Wolf by somebody who went to ASU, somebody who played in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Somebody who called the Cardinals game on Sunday. CBS NFL analyst and, of course, former NFL safety. Adam Archuleta is on the line. Adam, thank you for the time. How are you doing today? Gentlemen, I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing well, man. Hanging in there. <laughs> um, well, I'm surprised you have a voice after that finish. You know, honestly, oh, no. Adam, I, I got to tell you, buddy, I, I've been around this game for a long, long time, and I have never seen anything like what I saw in that game. And I and I would say on so many different fronts, um, not only the juxtapo- uh, juxtaposition of the first half to the second half, but also some of the individual plays that actually happened inside of it. What what are your biggest takeaways, Adam? Oh, boy. Um, I feel the same way. You know, I, it's funny because um, when I'm on the West Coast, I get a chance to watch, you know, some of the early games. You know, usually I don't get a chance to watch much NFL football on Sundays. And so I got a chance to watch some of the early stuff, and I saw, you know, the Dolphins, you know, how they came back against Baltimore, and then I saw you know, with the Browns or with the, yeah, with the uh, Jets did with the Browns. And I was like, man, that would be awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, we'd love, <laughs> I wish I was on that game. And then after the first half, we're sitting there saying, well, what are we going to talk about? Right. Because the Cardinals aren't going to show up and you're, you're trying to figure out like how to handle the second half. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter happened. And then I'm like, <laughs> it's just pretty, pretty unbelievable swing there. And just, uh, you know, about 45 minutes. Adam Marchaletta is joining us right now. Uh, Adam, from your perspective as a former defensive player in this league, those two two-point conversions by Kyler Murray, the one where he scrambled around for 21 seconds, and then the one at the very end of regulation where he threads the needle to A.J. Green, what are you supposed to do as a defensive player? It seemed like the Raiders, for the most part, played those as well as they could. Well, yeah, and, you know, I was saying, you know, throughout the game, well, really in the second half, you know, when, when somebody's getting whooped pretty good, you kind of start to talk about, you know, what is the team that's down? What do the Cardinals have to do to get back in this game? And as you're looking at it, you're like, well, who's showing up? Who's making plays? What do they have going for them? And my thought was the only way that the Cardinals get back into this is if Kyler Murray starts to do something special, right? He's he would have had to just start to take over the game because, you know, their method of offense going down the field just wasn't going to cut it. Um, and so, you know, it was obviously when you have a great comeback like that, so many things have to fall in your favor. You know, it's just one play here or there, and they all broke for the Cardinals. And that's why you have a dynamic player like Kyler uh, Murray. So, um, look, I think part of it was the fact that the Raiders were absolutely gassed. Their strength of their football team is their defensive ends with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby in their front, and, and that was really, you know, to play a quarterback like Murray who runs like that, you've got to have a tremendous effort from your front. But when you're on the field for 51 plays in the second half, um, you're gassed. And so there's nobody who's going who's gonna to be able to get to him. So uh, it was kind of a perfect storm, and, you know, that's why you pay the guy. That's why, you know, you, you – you, 
you uh, you know strike the quarter bill, you know, you put him in the quarter billion dollar club and uh, and, and expect him to make plays like that. So yeah, a thrilling, thrilling finish, and uh, it's got to be really frustrating. Um, as, as good of a win as that is for the Cardinals, it's got to just be gut wrenching for the Raiders. So Adam, I know you love to ball out, of course, on the defensive side of the ball, and you did it very, very well. A very tough, very physical, give everything type player. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you saw from the two inside linebackers for the Cardinals, and I say inside linebacker, but I'm talking about Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Your thoughts on these two guys and what you saw as you were preparing for the game and then actually watching the game. Right. So, you know, obviously I, I, I heard about what happened and I, and I kind of saw, you know, through highlights and stuff, you know, about the kind of game that Isaiah had. And then when I, when I got to finally watch it, you know, I, I guess I didn't, follow, you know, I don't follow them on a daily basis in the off season like you guys do. So I didn't really understand like the big storyline and how they, you know, kind of created this whole thing around him. They wanted him to play multiple positions. My, my very first thought, when I watched him was that's a lot to put on a player. Um, and I don't care, you know, obviously he's an athlete. Um, and so it, it's a lot. And, and to be at full speed against that offense, against a quarterback um, who's playing at that level and against guys like Kelsey, not that Isaiah Simmons isn't capable of doing it. And I'm sure he looked great in practice, but it takes time. Um the biggest, the biggest challenge and the biggest hurdle, and I talk about this with guys when I coach them all the time, is you've got to get to a place where you can play fast and you can make fast decisions and you can play on instincts. And I don't care what kind of an athlete you are, if you're thinking, you're going to be a step slow. And if you're thinking and playing against the best in the league, you're going to be two steps slow. And so if you don't have a chance to reset yourself before the play and really kind of like, you know, ground yourself, understand your responsibility, calm your mind, look at the offense, make your calls and get into your process, then you're even playing from behind even more. And that's kind of what I saw from my, from, from Simmons. Um, uh, technique errors as far as being overly aggressive, you know, with this jam against a very skilled tight end. And, you know, it, they got exposed. So I, I think it's a, a matter of just having a lot of a lot going on and not being able to reset and just be able to play your game. It's a lot to ask for a player. Talking to Adam Archuleta. Adam, before we let you go, you're obviously an ASU guy. I don't expect a name or anything, but as far as, as your, uh, your, your college program, I mean, what kind of coach? Are you looking for like a big name guy? Or are you looking for more of a younger guy with something to prove? What, what direction do you think this program needs to go in? Well, you might be asking the wrong guy because there's so much about college football that just disgusts me when we hire coaches. <laughs> you know, I, first of all, I don't think a lot of these guys deserve the money that they get. Um, and you know, these so, so-called big names more than more often than not, it's, it's not about developing talent and it's not about coaching and X's and O's and strategy. It's all about recruiting. You know, the whole college football game is about recruiting and how many good players you can stack on your team. And that's the major storyline around Arizona state every single year is recruiting. They get in trouble for recruiting. Um, can we recruit California? Can we get the, the kids here? We're not talking about the game on the field, right? So that's the biggest problem that I have. I can't tell you from an X is an O, from a football acumen standpoint, you know, who the best guy is to develop these players because at the end of the day, 
that pales in comparison to how important the, the recruiting game is. So, you know, my thoughts on coaches and who's actually good and who's actually developing guys, you know, unfortunately, you can have one of the best X's and O's guys in, in, in the country, but it's still the majority of your success comes around how do you stack your team and try and get the best players. So um, that's why I'm kind of disenchanted with college football because it's not really about the game that's played. And so much of the storylines are dominated by recruiting. And I think that just takes away from the sport. Yeah, let's go ahead and hand millions of dollars to 18-year-olds. What could go wrong? Anyways, that's just me. Okay, Adam, thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Adam. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's uh, Adam Archuleta joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right there. yeah, I think a lot of people may share that opinion, actually, of what he just voiced about college football there towards the end of that. When we come back, we've heard from interim ASU head coach Sean Aguano. We'll get you uh, some of the sound from his introductory press conference and what exactly he can do to win over the, the fan base and potential recruits here in the next few weeks. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Time to take a look at the Arizona Sports Poll Question. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. All right, it is poll question time, Aaron. What are your thoughts on the timing of Herm Edwards' departure from Arizona State? So your choices should have happened sooner, right time, or should have given him more time? Uh, Well, Wolf, I don't feel like it was the right time. It seemed like either give him the season or don't. If you're, if the thought was let's wait until the investigation's over so we can get a new guy in to start fresh, I guess after week three doesn't make any sense, but I don't think you could have given him any longer. So I'm going to say it should have happened sooner. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'd have to say the same thing. And I said as much, as much as it pains me to say, because I respect and love the guy, Herm Edwards. I was so bitterly disappointed that uh, this recruiting violation happened under his watch. And ultimately, it's always the head guy's responsibility. He's the guy. The buck stops with the head coach. And the fact that that actually occurred under his watch, whether he knew about it or not, ultimately it's the reason why I think they should have let him go then. So 81% say it should have happened sooner. 12% say it was the right time. 7% say should have given him more time. I mean, that's very skewed, but at the same time, I'm surprised 7% even said should have given him more time. Honestly, just with the way the fan base has felt and the way the fan base felt coming into this season. Now you're one and two in your next three games, Wolf, are Utah, USC, and Washington. Uh, Utah was supposed to be good, and they are. USC was supposed to be good. I, I, I think they're a, a playoff contender, honestly. Uh, I think they're clearly the best team in the Pac-12, although we'll see if that actually plays out. And then the Huskies are actually really good. They've quickly turned things around. So Sean Aguano steps in now into a very difficult um Position. He spoke yesterday. It was funny. We kind of referenced the story briefly yesterday, the the rise and fall, basically, of Herm Edwards at ASU that, that Doug Haller wrote for The Athletic. And I read through the whole thing last night, Wolf. There's a lot of very interesting and, and some even surprising stuff in there. The thing that really stood out to me was The Athletic was able to get a bunch of people together and interview them. Yeah. And somehow the NCAA still hasn't been able to do that. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, yeah. 
So Sean Aguano spoke uh, yesterday, and he's in an interesting spot because he's got nine games, basically, while they talk about, while everybody talks about who the next coach is going to be. I kind of wonder what, like, what could he potentially do? If he goes out there and they win one of these next three games and then they finish the season strong, is he going to be considered for the head coaching gig? Because he's not really being talked about in that role, you know? Yeah. You know, I doubt it. That's just my gut feeling. It doesn't right seem now. like it. It doesn't seem like that. Um, listen, I, I don't think they need to go out and get a name. I don't think they need, oh, Matt Rule. Even though, okay, if you're going to hire Matt Rule, you better get ready to pay him. Okay? <laughs> Even if that was going to be the case. Okay, that's great. I just don't think they need to do that. What they need to do is find a college football coach that is on his way up, a guy that is going to build this program, a guy that has been a college football coach, in my opinion, a guy that has contact with the SEC, a guy that also knows the West Coast very, very well. That guy is Kenny Dillingham for me. Uh, Kenny Dillingham, I know you're saying that potentially to to hurt Maloney, but also um, he was part of Todd Graham's coaching staff. And everybody that was part of Todd Graham's coaching staff, except Todd Graham, has gone on to have pretty good success as a head coach. <laughs> so I'm glad we let them all go. And now they're all doing very well elsewhere or, you know, in Dillingham's case, not a head coach yet. But he's having some success. For Sean Aguano, he is in a spot right now where, to me, the biggest thing he could do would be to instill some discipline on this team so the penalties go away. The, the just the, the, Some penalties are unavoidable. The ones after you make a stop on third down when you shove a guy in the back or yeah. you, just, you can't line up before right. the snap, those those need to go away. Now, he talked yesterday about how he, he told his team, look, we're going to approach this like the preseason just ended. Here's how I see this, this whole season is the last three games were, were a preseason. This is where it all counts now, these next nine games. And so it's we are at 0-0. Zero, zero. And we are ready to play um, Arizona State football. And, and I, I'm here to inspire these kids to play that. And, and uh, I think we're, we're ready. So looking back at those three games will do us no good. I think we're going to look forward. Um, this transition ha- has been hard, and, and it's been 24 hours. But re- in reality, we got to get ready to go. If you look in the coaching world, there's probably a, maybe a less than a 1% of people that have the opportunity that I have. What you do with that opportunity is what counts. And so I look for that challenge. Um, I'm excited and and, uh, I'm ready to go. Yeah, he's fired up. You know what he said right there? He said, inspire these kids. Can I tell you right now, Basinonians, that is is 80% of a college football coach's job. You can actually make a college kid better than he really is just by focusing him and motivating him, inspiring him. You can actually do it. I kid you not. These kids are, man, they're up, they're down, they're amoebas for the most part. They need somebody to mold them, shape them. And when you do that and you give them direction and you inspire them, now all of a sudden you can make a kid better than he really is. By the time you get to the NFL and especially at that level when you're playing against the best of the very best our species can generate, now all of a sudden you are what you are. But when you're 18 and you're 19 and you're malleable, oh my goodness, a coach can have a huge impact on you. Let's Let me see ask if you this. Coach Iguano is that guy, I, and can he help it, 
focus these seems kids. like he would be that guy. And I want to play another clip from him on, on that topic, basically. But before I do it, Wolf, um, you know, we talk so much about you and I coming into the season. Okay, you don't have as much talent this year. Maybe they're going to be more motivated and disciplined. And then that wasn't the case the first three games. And so Which Herm, blows my mind because that, to me, is what I thought Coach Herm Edwards was going to be great that, I, I I'm with you on that. And he takes the fall, and it's not just for that. But at what point do the players actually have to, like, okay, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be taking ridiculous penalties. Maybe I don't need a coach to tell me not to take a ridiculous penalty. Maybe I don't need a coach to tell me to be prepared to play a home game in college. I'm looking up and down this ASU roster, Wolf, and what was supposed to be endearing about it was, okay, it's kind of a scrappy team, but they're going to play the right way. Sure. There's not really a lot of NFL prospects on this team anymore. Like Maybe Merlin Roberts and maybe a couple other guys will get a look somewhere. I mean, maybe a few, but this is not like Alabama playing the Citadel and they they just weren't prepared for the start of the game. Yeah. Why is ASU, why is this an issue where it's like, oh, I'm just not sure I'm ready to play tonight. Do you remember though when you were 18? Do you remember? Yeah, but if I knew I was only going <laughs> to get were, so many college games. I, I, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, why do you do some stupid things? Why do you do some stupid things on the field? It's, why yeah, do you do okay. some stupid things at a club on a Saturday? Why That's do you do some stupid things? Well, I, you know, I remember being 18, 19 years old. And I was doing some stupid things. Can I just say that? Well, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, most people probably okay, would say the I, you same know, thing. But I, I mean, you're how right. you, you're not going to be prepared to play for, like, I just, am I supposed to assume that that was all Herm Edwards? Because, yes, I no. thought Herm would be better well, at it. But at what point do the players say, like, hey, yeah, our coach just got fired. Maybe we should try against Utah. I know. You know, one of the things, too, that I think um, I was disappointed in in regard to Herm, he looked um, sometimes disjointed on the sideline. Um, I wanted to see him more demonstrative. That's A lot of people want that. That's the Herm Edwards that I, I know. And and maybe maybe the losing, maybe the tough games that they lost, maybe it all beat them down. I, I don't know, but I wanted to see him more engaged, engaged with his players when they did something good, when they made a mistake, to be more demonstrative in their face, to be more on the officials when when a call was out there that was brutal against the Sun Devils. I wanted to see him be more demonstrative towards the officials. He He just seemed sometimes removed and that bothered me does it help that Maloney's being demonstrative that it's time to go to break right now yeah does that work for you okay there's a reason because when we come back we're going to talk to former cardinal now a uh, a co-host of the bobble exchange with aq and drew aq shipley is going to join us it's the wolf and luke show on 98.7 fm arizona sports station Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Hi, we're pleased to be going back out to the Arizona Sports Line right now. Wolf to be joined by, of course, former Cardinal, uh, now a host of the Bobbled Exchange with AQ and Drew. We talked to the Drew half of that last week. Now we're talking to AQ. AQ Shipley is joining us. AQ, what's going on, man? How we doing, guys? Oh, we're doing great, Chip. Thank you so much for joining us, buddy. No, thanks for having me on. Uh, are we not going to tell AQ that you were just holding a mouth guard in the studio? Or are we just Yeah, you know, from time to time, I like to put a mouth guard in and just feel what it's like to actually bite down on it. Do you know what I'm talking about, Chip? Oh, trust me. I think we all miss it the minute we're done, right? 
Uh, all right, AQ, we were talking about, uh, obviously, the Cardinals' win over the uh, the Raiders on Sunday and, and just the way that played out. Um, you know, from your perspective, having played in this league, when you see a, a player like Kyler Murray, who the team invested a lot of money in, number one overall pick in, but then you see him make some of those plays he made in the fourth quarter. I, I, don't, I mean, as, as, a, as a former offensive lineman, what do you think when you see a quarterback perform like that? He's electric. Every time he touches the ball, it's incredible. I mean, you saw glimpses of it his rookie year where he was still probably feeling it out when I was playing with him and, you know, just probably trying to figure out what hits he can take, should take, and, you know, how many times he should run it. And then the more and more comfortable he's gotten at, you know, putting those things to use, it's electric to watch. And then the minute you sit there and try and keep him in the pocket and slow play it and not rush it, then he can thread the needle with the way he can throw it. So, I mean, he's got everything going for him, and it's it's crazy how quickly that game changed. You know, they, they couldn't get anything rolling at all for 35 minutes, and then he decided, hey, I'm going to take this game over, and he did. Ship, when you watch the Arizona Cardinals play offensively, what do you wish they did more of? Well, that's a good question. You know, I think, uh, I mean, listen, like, I think they're, I think they'll, it's still week two, right? I think yeah. everybody's still trying to figure out what their identity is. They got a veteran heavy offensive line they could lean on when they need to. The run game is always solid because, not to mention how much Kyler can bring to the run game, but you also have to be a little cautious of how hard that DN plays you on the backside. So it opens pretty good lanes on the inside, right? And so their, their yards per carry is always good. They're super dynamic. Like I said, if they can just tread water long enough with the receivers they got, you know, Right now, once they get DeAndre back, it's going to be a nice shot in the arm. Yeah, talking to AQ Shipley. Uh, AQ, the the offensive line for the Cardinals on Sunday, they the the starting five got to play the entire game except DJ Humphreys missed one play, and and you could see how much better they looked with their actual starting line out there compared to to even Week One. Certainly, at times last year. I mean, how big is it to just be able to to, to run out there with your five guys and basically let them play the entire game together without disruption? Listen, the teams that usually win it at the end are the teams that stay the healthiest. And O-line is as big of a key factor in that as anything, right? And so with them being able to get Justin back and Rodney, you know, is getting more up to speed. I know he didn't get many reps and stuff in the preseason. So they're just going to continue to get more comfortable and comfortable as it rolls. They're a good group. They got veterans, like I said, across the board. Those guys have all played a lot of football. And, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a really good offensive line if they can stay healthy. And, I mean, Justin looked great coming back. So, Ship, when, yeah, you know, Ship, when you think of that second half, um, the juxtaposition of the first half to the second half was stark, obviously. They played so much better and look like themselves, frankly, here. Do you think they can carry that momentum into this week against the Rams? You know, it's so funny. You, you bring up momentum. Momentum's a crazy thing. And when it's rolling, it's rolling. And so, you know, I think they got some things figured out and worked out some kinks there in that second half. If they can, I don't think this L.A. team is as good as it has been in the past. Now, granted, don't get me wrong, you still got a freakazoid to block on defense. So right. that that's always the X factor, right? But, you know, I think they are missing, you know, some people. Oh, no. we're, we're losing AQ. Oh, no, no, ship. He's he's gone. Oh, ship. 
I wanted to hear that answer. I said ship right there. I mean, every, everyone heard that, right? Yes, no, you. I said, oh, ship. <laughs> you were talking. That's right, as in Shipley. AQ Shipley, yes. <laughs> I wouldn't have even thought twice if Please, you Please, I just honestly, I was like, no, he's, okay, hey. Uh, well, the good news is the D-backs just went up 3-1 on the Dodgers. Boy, how about this uh, right here, right? Uh, playing a little small ball here today Alec well, Thomas, right? the, the shot, the, just the grounder into the right field for a single that he just stretches into a double because he's fast enough where he's able to do that. How about that? Yeah, not bad. Anytime you can beat the Dodgers, I mean, they still have some work to do, but if they could, I think we got AQ back. All right, yeah, AQ is uh, is back. Uh, AQ Shipley joining us. Uh, look, AQ, you were here for, for part of the uh, the start of the Sean McVay era with the, the Rams, but... But um, you know, what, what is it about that team that has given the Cardinals fits over the last few years? I, I, think, I think just that's one. No, he's good. Yeah. Okay, so we lost right it now too. it's, yeah. Oh, boy, that's, that's brutal. I, what if he was going to give us the answer to how to beat the Rams? Yeah. And all of a sudden the phone line just, that, that could have been it. This is how so you beat the right Rams. right now just it's a competition things. between Shane Doan and A.Q. Shipley's phone <laughs> as to who has the worst phone. <laughs> Poor donor. Is that <laughs> donor? <laughs> when anybody's phone goes bad, they're like, oh, it must be Doan's phone. Donor. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we... Uh, we we had AQ for a little bit. I do want to get out there. He's doing that podcast, the Bobbled Exchange with uh, with AQ and Drew, and of course the Drew in that exchange is Drew Stanton. So you know, one uh, of the big things too. It was interesting to listen to AQ say that. You know, that Rams team. The one thing right before he, he went off, that he said that Rams team isn't as good as they and were. And that's when Sean McVay took his phone and threw it in the ocean. <laughs> exactly okay. right. And that's really interesting too because I, how could that possibly be? Right, you're coming off. The Super Bowl. You got a Super Bowl ring, of course. You've got Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald impacts everybody around him. You got Jalen Ramsey as well. Now all of a sudden you have Bobby Wagner uh, as your Mike linebacker, a guy who's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Man, you wonder how could that be? Uh, we got AQ back one more. Wolf, I'm going to let you ask the final question here before we let him go. Yeah, if you could go into defensively, you were talking a little bit about the Rams, AQ. Talk to us about their defense and how you would attack Aaron Donald specifically. You know, the key the key is, to, is really just stopping Aaron Donald. Um, I think they lost Vaughn Miller, so they're not nearly as good as they were on the edge in years past, right? And so if you can stop Donald, you got a chance. And he's that good that he wrecks games. And so the biggest thing is just finding a good game plan to attack him. I also think it's a good thing to attack him in the run game. Like, I think he wants to rush the passer. So whenever you can um, really attack him in the run game, I don't think he wants to play the run nearly as much as he did in year three, four, and five. Would you run Adam Ship? Would you run 100%. Adam? Yeah, you'd go You'd go right at him, man. You want that. Right at him. I try and get as many double teams as I could on him all day long. And from that point forward, then, you know, maybe he doesn't rush the passer as hard after taking, you know, five deuce blocks with DJ Humphreys clipping his hip. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. That's what I would do. You know, I was thinking of 22 and 23 double. That's a play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know all about that. How about a little I know power? all about that play. How about a little power without the pull? And, you know, just double 100%. up on him, man. I, I I agree with you. I'd love to see them do that. Uh, AQ, how's the podcast with Drew Stanton before we let you go? Yeah, it's going really good. Sorry, I'm uh, catching a flight back. I was on the Pat McAfee show all day today. and 
Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so I'll be on with him every Tuesday in the fall, and then Drew and I are going to be recording our podcast, The Bobbled Exchange, every Monday, and we'll try and get them released a little quicker. We've had a little couple hiccups in the editing process, but the plan is I think we got to figure it out, and I think we'll start releasing them Wednesday or Thursday every week, so it'll be good to get out before the weekends, and then... Uh, like I said, I'll be doing a little O-line breakdown, so catch me on Pat McAfee show as well. Sounds that good. sounds great, Chip. We appreciate the time, AQ. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Okay, buddy. Thank you. That's AQ Shipley joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right there. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, all right, what did you see from the Cardinals in Week 2? Wolf, watch the tape. He's going to tell you what he saw next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Byron Murphy, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I saw Murphy coming. This spring, he was different. His body was different. His mindset was different. Lee Flicker pitching it back to Lawrence. He's in trouble. Jump ball pass picked off near side by Murphy at the 30, running it back to the left of the 20-10-5 touchdown. Now he's a leader in that room, showing young guys how to prepare, take care of their bodies. It's just been awesome to see his progression, and the results are being shown on the field. DB's out three. One, two, three. DB's. Let's go. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals. Now. All right, this uh, tweet from Derb to Cardinals signing Devon Kennard to the active roster. There you go. Devon Kennard officially back, even though he's already kind of been back. All right, yes. well, now we've had a couple days since the uh, the game, the, the chaos at the end of that game. That was, it, to pull back the curtain a little bit, I think for the most uh, part, most of us when we're watching the game, if we're hosting a show the next day, it's different for you since you're calling the game. But if you're watching the Cardinals, you're taking notes as the game goes on. It's a little bit different, right? The, the second half of that game, specifically the fourth quarter in overtime, so much stuff happened, yeah. I had no notes. Right. <laughs> so yep. I'm looking forward to going back and re-watching it tonight. Like I said, it's on at like midnight. But you went back and watched the actual film. So what did you see? Yeah, you know, it just honestly, um, my takeaways, I, it was all over the board for the most part. But um, Zayvon Collins, I think, has had an epiphany. He played well, in my opinion. He played well and he got better. Um, it's no wonder after watching the tape that he played every rep. This was something we were marveling at, right? Yeah. There were two guys on the defensive side of the ball that actually played well or played every rep. That was Buda Baker and Zavin Collins. And um, he used his hands better. Not all the time, right? And he's got to do a better job. One time that he block tackled a guy to the ground. Moral, the tight end, he blocked he literally blocked him to the ground as opposed to wrapping up. Uh, that can never happen. But again, he's raw and he's a work in progress. He used his hands so much better to get off blocks. Um, his eyes didn't deceive him nearly as much as what I've seen in the past. And he had a tendency to overreact one way or the other, wherever the action was. And not really honor his gap and where he should be up front. And um, he did a great job with that. I was really encouraged to see him improve in that area. He got better as the Chiefs game went on, too. Which, yes. which was kind of lost yes. in the shuffle because the game was well over. But he stayed out there and kept getting more reps. And, and how many times have we said that's the main thing Zayvon Collins needs is reps. He got reps in the preseason, too. He's really the only guy that got reps in the preseason, but he got them. Yeah, that is it's a great observation. It was even. 
even in the Chiefs game. It started, he got better as that, that game went along, and I thought the same thing could be said for what he did against Vegas. A uh, little mechanical on some plays. Um, dropping to a spot in his own room as opposed to um, actually reading the zone room, if you know what I mean. Um, he was like just trying to go through his assignment as opposed to actually go through his assignment with a clue as to what the formation was and where they were going to attack him. I saw him do that a couple of times. He looked out of position on a Tampa 2 a couple of times. That's two safeties high, five underneath, but that Mike Backer, which he was, is dropping deep deep into the middle of the field. Um, Not a deep third, of course, but underneath, deep, and he's hunting up the number two guy looking for anything that is coming inside. And um, he was a little mechanical and robotic sometimes, but this is, once again, experience. Yeah. That, that that's a different picture than yes. we're not sure we can keep this guy on the right. field. The, <laughs> right. He doesn't have to be perfect in game two of his second year. He just needs to be a factor, and he was a factor. And even on the play, you know, where he got beat in overtime, he reached back and punched the ball out of uh, Hunter Renfro's hands. Yes. A couple plays before the, the Cardinals ultimately won the game anyway. He's got the physical gifts. So if, yeah. if, if there's that much tangible progress, and obviously there was because he played 100% of the snaps in week two, then that bodes really well. Yeah, it was interesting. Byron Murphy did ghost Devontae Adams wherever he went for the most part. Um, they did play a lot of zones. So every time Devontae Adams would line up inside, he wouldn't ghost him. He wouldn't go with him. So it's not a true ghosting, so to speak. But um, Byron Murphy, just watching it, um, the star of the game defensively. Yeah. Without a doubt. I'm I'm glad you brought him up because that was my biggest question because you watch on TV, you can't, they don't, they're not always showing. Plus the cameras, the cameras in the game in week two, sometimes they were just following, I don't know what, instead of the ball or the players. Interesting. Uh, and, and I know I'm not the only one that noticed that, but specifically when you're talking about a player away from the ball, you can't always see everything on TV. But the numbers that Devontae Adams put up, which were basically nothing, two catches for 12 yards, that was mostly Byron Murphy, right? Yeah, he absolutely played like a shutdown corner. That's something to build on going forward. J.J. Uh, Watt. J.J. Watt impacted the game, and um, they moved him out on the edge from time to time. They let him rush from there, and he was effective. Uh, he made some plays from the interior, jumping around a double block, a deuce block, making the tackle in the backfield. Um, the intensity level, I would say, of Zach uh, Allen, the intensity level of Rashard Lawrence, Lucky Fotu went up. Uh, he made an impact in this game. He had the sack, of course, the game-winning play. Um, it was predicated on one fundamental component of the game, Basinonians, on the defensive side of the ball. Run to the ball! Run to the ball! Wherever the ball is, defense, run to the ball! And that's exactly what happened. Um, what was incredible on that play, um, the scoop and score by Byron Murphy, is Isaiah Simmons was mugging the A-gap. He's the guy who knocked the ball out. He was actually mugging the backside away from the play A-gap and then bailed on the snap and saw the wide receiver screen and ran like a madman over there and made the play on Renfro. When he spun around, put the hat right on the ball, it came out. 
but it was the effort of running to the ball after mugging the A-gap, which was kind of cool. And then also, I just want to say this quickly, Byron Murphy. What he did on that play, he rallied the ball. He was over Devontae Adams on the backside, the slot side. He was over, away from the ball, and ran to it as soon as you ought to see him. Yeah. I mean, he's running like a banshee. And, and no interest in falling on it. He was it's, like, I'm picking this up and I'm ending this game. But he was in position because he rallied to the ball, even though it was on the other side of the field. He ran, and he was there when the ball came out because he ran and worked so hard to get over there. Simmons, I know I'm giving you like five seconds, but on the plays where he wasn't forcing a fumble, the few plays he was out there, did he was he where he was supposed to be at he, least? He looked like he, yes. Okay. He looked much better in the second half. All right, good, good. Well, he wasn't out there in the first very much. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We've got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.